On May 25th, 2020, 46-year-old George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, Minnesota by white police officer Derek Chavin. Floyd, a black father of three and grandfather of two, was killed during an arrest after a store clerk claimed that he used a counterfeit $20 bill. Uh, Chavin, one of the four police officers who arrived on the scene, handcuffed him and slammed him face down on the street. Three other officers, to Tao, Thomas Lane, and J. Alexander King, restrained Floyd and another prevented passersby from defending George Floyd. They have also been charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. Chavin proceeded to kneel on George Floyd's neck for what we now know was nine minutes and 29 seconds, preventing him from breathing. As he was pinned under Chavin's knee, George Floyd repeatedly cried out for help and said that he couldn't breathe. During the final two minutes of him being pinned down, George Floyd was motionless and had no pulse. The Minneapolis police took no immediate action to directly treat him, and Chavin kept his knee on Floyd's neck until medics arrived. Following George Floyd's murder, Chavin was fired and charged with second-degree murder. An additional charge of third-degree murder was later added. In the following weeks, protests in systemic racism and in solidarity with black lives erupted in cities across the United States and around the world. Protests began in Minneapolis, but quickly spread to over 2,000 cities and towns in over 60 countries, according to The Guardian. Some polls have estimated that as many as 26 million people participated in the protests. In major cities like New York, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C., uh, police um, suppressed uh, protesters often in violent uh, ways. And in Portland, Oregon, unidentified federal officers wearing camouflage used unmarked vans to detain protesters. The uprisings were also suppressed by violent right-wing militias, as exemplified by the bloody shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that resulted in the death of two protesters. By March 12th, Uh, 2021, the Minneapolis Police Council approved a settlement of $27 million to the Floyd family following a lawsuit. Now all eyes are back on the case of George Floyd and on systemic racism as a trial of Derek uh, Chauvin is underway. Chauvin's murder trial opening statements began on Monday, March 29th. This has become one of the most closely watched court cases in decades. The trial began with opening statements from both sides, establishing the groundwork for both legal teams as they present their arguments to the jury. Jerry Blackwell, the prosecuting attorney, turned the juror's attention to the viral video of George Floyd's arrest in which he is seen being choked to death by Chavin. During the first session, Blackwell reportedly said, you can believe your eyes that it's homicide, it's murder. Blackwell also told the jury that Chavez didn't let up and didn't get up even after George Floyd repeatedly complained that he couldn't breathe. 
Chauvin's defense attorneys laid out their strategy as well, which many say will provide, uh, involve the jurors evaluating tons of evidence outside of the viral video. Um, before we welcome our first guest, let us go now to um, a reaction now from activists on the ground in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as the trial began. Hey, hey, ho, ho. You know, I really want to be optimistic, but I've been doing this for a long time, and so unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm not feeling like, I don't want to hype myself up for justice, you know? I'm expecting to see George Floyd criminalized and potentially the officer walk. It seems like the city is expecting the worst or preparing for the worst, so that's what I encourage everyone else to be prepared for the worst. Anything better than that comes, that'll be a pleasant surprise. I think what's different now is that the cameras are in the courtrooms, people's attention and eyes are on the injustices that we've been raising attention to. One of the things that the community is very cautious of is the fact that Officer Chauvin is on trial, not George Floyd. Came down here for justice and a conviction. I have my attorney crumb with me. We're here just hoping for the best. Alrighty, so let's welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Mick Crenshaw, who was born and raised uh, both in Chicago and uh, Minneapolis. He currently resides in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Mick is the lead U.S. organizer for the African Hip Hop Caravan and uses cultural activism as a means to develop international solidarity related to human rights and justice through hip hop and popular education. Uh, Mick is the North West Regional Director of Hip Hop Congress. Mick Crenshaw, welcome. Uh, thank you, Margaret. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm well and, and good to speak with you again. Um, now, uh, first, give us uh, your reaction. You heard uh, protesters out there on the ground, of course. Protesters in, in Portland have been, um, I, I think, perhaps the longest uh, stretch of protests following the George Floyd um, murder. But uh, give us your reaction. You know, some people are skeptical uh, about if justice is possible. Um, others are very hopeful. Um, what, what are your thoughts now as the trial begins? You know, on, on one end of the spectrum, we could say I'm cautiously optimistic, but Honestly, if I really check in with my gut feeling, um, it's more of an anxiety because I don't expect justice to be served. Um, I feel like the, the, the asymmetry of the court system in this United States, even though there's a number of black jurors, is something that impacts the way that people's decisions are made. Um, I, my heart goes out to the people on the ground who stand for black liberation and who stand against um, police terror, and who stand for justice for the people. Because I'm what I'm afraid and what a lot of me is predicting I'm going to see and that we're going to see as a country is um, a decision that falls short in terms of the type of justice that the people actually want. And it makes me think, Margaret, about some very simple, almost primal um things and that they were on that brother's neck they were on george floyd's neck for over nine minutes 
you know, I've also learned how to do blood chokes that restrict blood to the brain through restriction of the carotid arteries. I've been trained by people who train police officers who told me that 30 seconds will put you to sleep and three minutes will cause you to be brain dead. They did that for nine minutes. Plus, I would ask that Derek Chauvin have somebody do the same thing to him. And let's see what happens. And the other three or four cops who participated in the death of George Floyd. Um, lastly, I just want to say they're going to try to make this into, uh, the defense is going to try to make this about uh, George Floyd's history of, of drug use. And if everybody who used drugs recreationally in this country uh, deserves to be choked to death, then we would only have a, a minuscule fraction of the population. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what I'd like to do, Mike, if you're able to stay with us a, a few more minutes, um, if that's okay, I'd like to welcome a guest who is now based in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, uh, Kieran uh, Knudsen, who is president of CWA Local 7250, who has been active in protests in solidarity with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, Kieran is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Kieran, thank you for joining us. Okay, I'm not hearing Karen. Is he on the line? Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here with you and Mike. Okay, so um, a similar question uh, to you, uh, Karen, you're right on the ground in uh, Minneapolis, and I'm wondering your thoughts as the trial begins. As I said, some people are cautiously optimistic, uh, some people are skeptical, and as Mike says, all of us, probably black people across the nation, uh, other people of color, we're all feeling pretty anxious about this. Uh, Karen, your your thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, we have to understand that the only reason there are charges against Chauvin in the first place is because of one of the you know biggest uprisings in modern history in the United States. So that's what it took to even bring charges against Chauvin and the other cops that murdered George Floyd in broad daylight on a city corner uh, with a crowd of people watching. So when we're talking about American justice, that's the first thing we have to understand is that's what it took to even get charges put against him. Um, I do think the system understands that millions and millions of people are watching this case and that there's a great risk to not delivering some kind of justice um, for this murder. But the only thing that can ensure that, I believe, is the continued vigilance of millions of people to make sure that we won't accept anything less. Right. And uh, what we'll uh, do now actually is just go, uh, Karen, to a clip of what happened in uh, Minneapolis of the George Floyd family and activists um, gathering outside the courthouse. They can't sweep this under the rug. Come on, George Floyd, Philando Castile, they were all killed by officers that were sworn to protect us. America is watching. Just like this press, many shows, court TV, they would display everything. Just like when this man had his knee on my brother's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. 
It was a motion cinema picture. Everybody seen it. I was watching the video, not to not to discuss myself or get myself furious. That was the last time I could hear his voice. You know, so I watched it. I watched it. I watched it. And every time I watched it, it seemed like it just got me. It made me a little. It made me stronger because I knew. Yeah, they 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 murdered him. But we still Floyd strong, hmm. and we still here. That's so right. we gonna hold it down for him. You know what I'm saying? And they say trust the system. They want us to trust the system. Well, this is your chance to show us that we can trust you. Shaven is in the courtroom, but America's on trial. America's on trial to see if we have gotten to the place where we can hold police accountable if they break the law. They're gonna talk about as much as they can about his record, but his record isn't an issue. All right. Because this is the trial of Derek Chauvin. We're taking a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And we want you to think up during that time why Shaven didn't in that time get his knee up. All righty. And then uh, just a short piece here, and then we'll get comments from both of you on the street scene uh, now on day one of the trial. Security personnel are on high alert during the trial. Protesters want to show Floyd's family support by calling for racial justice. David Schumann's live in downtown Minneapolis right now. David. The march is starting here right now as we speak after several speakers took the microphone and talked passionately about justice for victims of police violence and accountability for police. They also spoke to a crowd that is standing behind a banner in the street that says justice for George Floyd and all stolen lives. The organizers of this event here have made clear why they're out here protesting. Demanding a conviction of Derek Chauvin with the maximum sentence is first and foremost. There are also bigger picture systemic issues they're protesting for, like passage of police reform legislation and creating a community board to oversee police for greater accountability. One man said he feels nothing has changed in the last 10 months since Floyd's death, and he wants to know his family will be safe from police. About the trial, one of the organizers said she felt the first day went well for the prosecution. There's a strong sense of unity here, a lot of different groups coming together for this. And in fact, more than 20 Twin Cities organizations came together, teamed up to put this on. All right. So uh, Karen uh, Knutson, who is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, your thoughts first on this. I mean, in the first clip, you heard some of the words of the family and, um, you know, of saying we are still Floyd strong. Um, also, America is on trial. That was uh, Sharpton. And also um, people saying, you know, if you want us to trust the system, this is your chance to show it uh, to us. Um, your thoughts on that, and if that's very much the feeling on the ground, uh, Karen, and also um, if you feel anything has changed since uh, George Floyd's murder. I think that uh, people here um, very much have a lot of love and sympathy for the Floyd family and what they've been through. And uh, it's incredible to think about the sort of 
what they had to witness in terms of a loved one being being lynched on video by state authorities. I don't think people here um, have confidence that the Minneapolis Police Department has changed. I think it still uh, it functions in a similar way. It's had to sort of scroll back um, its activity in the city uh, since the uprising in order not to provoke people more, but, but it's still continually... Um, there still continues to be incidents of police brutality even since George Floyd was murdered. And so people don't have confidence in the MPD to be a tool of community safety. Um, it definitely is not, has not regained its legitimacy in the city since the uprising. Yeah, and, and also to, uh, to ask you, um, Karen, because, you know, I mean, millions of people uh, protested around the world. I think something like 2,000 cities and towns over 60 countries. I mean, rural areas in the U.S., like southern Illinois, where that formerly areas that were known as sundown towns, you had smallish protests, but nevertheless, they were happening there. Um, are you feeling now that perhaps a sense of complacency has set in or, or people's attention span has gotten a little shorter, um, you know, because at least thus far, we haven't seen the turnout, at least in, in the numbers, as has happened um, after the initial uh, murder. And, and do you think that people are just kind of uh, waiting and seeing how this is going to unfold with the trial? Your, your thoughts? I believe, I believe you're right. I think people are waiting to see what will happen and seeing if any kind of justice is delivered through the court system. I mean, I think that is one of the functions of the court system is to, in the way it plays out in this country, is often to drag things out for a long time and take agency away from people in the streets. But in Minneapolis, the, the area where George Floyd was murdered, 38th and Chicago, is the area both Mike and I know well, um, that area is still occupied by people. There are still barricades up uh, in that neighborhood. There are still community meetings happening there uh, twice a day to help run what they call George Floyd Square. And police are still not welcome in that area. And um, that, that still exists, you know, how many months, you know, nearly a year after George Floyd was killed. Um, similarly, there's other uh, militant movements within the city. There are uh, homeless encampments that were sprung up and self-organized by people without homes throughout the city in the wake of the uprising. So very much Minneapolis is still not back to what they call normal since the uprising. But it's true that the, the mobilizations haven't been the same as they were after George Floyd was killed. And I think we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and Mike, um, just, you know, Portland, I mean, was in the news um, because of a lot of what happened there, the ongoing protests, the criminalization of a lot of the uh, protesters. And there was some concern that, well, some of the protesters perhaps had their own uh, agenda and it, it shifted away uh, accountability for the, um, the killing of George Floyd. But just your thoughts now, because, um, Mike, the whole demand of defund the police, um, that spread uh, seemed like a, a cane fire across the country. And you did have several cities uh, moving to try to do something about it. The, the mayor of, of 
Portland, it seemed, was a, a, a very mixed bag, you know, on that front. Um, so just in terms of demands uh, coming up from the movement and how things are looking now on the ground in Portland itself um, of around justice for George Floyd. Mike? Yeah, there were, there were demands from activists here to defund um, the police. Um, anywhere from $200 million to $50 million. City Council voted on $18 million. I think there was a $15 million cut that was decided on. There was basically a gang violence reduction team focusing on um, handgun crime that was voted uh, to be reduced because their interactions were disproportionately harmful to the black community. Um, now there's a push to refund the police, and we're seeing that nationally. Activists here have, in the years since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's uh, murders, have started to make a more concerted effort to connect the dots between uh, police terror, police brutality, the way the police treat black people and get away with murder, and the way that the state treats houseless people and more marginalized people um, who are facing abject poverty on the streets of our cities. And a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesters have gone out to try to prevent the sweeps and the raids on encampments of houseless people. Um, Portland has remained consistently active and resistant and in the streets um, throughout the course of the year with some short breaks due to extenuating factors. I'm expecting to see more of the same militancy this summer. Portland has also been um, a stage for some time now, and, and more intensely recently, a stage for the clashes between the extreme right and forces of Black Lives Matter, those who support the movement for Black Lives and anti-racist and anti-fascist. So I'm expecting to see more of those conflicts and clashes throughout the summer because, unfortunately, I do believe that the conditions we face as a society are, um, are going to be ones that manifest more police terror, more police murder of innocent people, of unarmed people, of black people, people of color. Right. And uh, Karen, it's in just uh, final thoughts uh, from you, you know, looking forward, we know all eyes are on, on the trial. You also talked about other kinds of organizing uh, going on uh, in uh, Minneapolis uh, around houseless uh, people, etc. But um, tell us how you see things moving forward. And also you're a union guy. And you know, I, I noted a, a, a poll, a Pew poll that was done. I read an article this morning, I think it was reported in the Washington Post, that actually said that um, after January 6th, you know, the invasion of the, the capital of, of people basically trying to you know, stop the counting of the vote. A lot of violence there, um, deaths did happen, that among the Republican Party, actually people have remained steady, it seemed, in their support uh, for Trump. I mean, it's gone down a bit. He's no longer in the White House, but clearly he is still there and maintaining a presence and a hold, it seems, on the Republican Party. And I'm wondering how you see that 
uh, playing out uh, where you are and uh, just, you know, any final comments that you might have, uh, Karen Nutson. Thank you. I think that in terms of the first part about the unions, I think that the unions just um, have not done what's needed to be done around George Floyd and so many other issues. I think that the unions tend to trail behind um, some politicians, and that's exactly backwards. Uh, instead of doing that, the union should have been out in the street with the protesters, should have been opening up our union halls to um, give aid and support to the protests, should have been pushing the issue in the different workplaces where we have presence. And I think actually if the unions have been doing that in a consistent way and really arguing uh, that an injury to one is an injury to all, it would actually, uh, to deal with your second question, help undercut some of that support for Trump that still does exist amongst specifically white working class people um, because that support for Trump is clearly against the interests of regular working class people, but it persists basically based around, you know, racist uh, identification with, with the white power system. And I think that the unions could be playing a very positive role in undercutting that. And unfortunately, I feel like the unions are, are still way far behind what they need to be doing. Yeah, a lot of work to be done there. And Mike Crenshaw, just your final thoughts and comment on this, because the defense in their opening statement seemed to blame the bystanders, the onlookers who were there for what happened, <laughs> right? Which is just amazing that that is, is part of, uh, you know, him saying that Chauvin, Chauvin is innocent. Your thoughts on that and any final words you have for us? Uh, let's continue to hold police accountable and question the necessity for overfunded police departments in our communities and um, examine whether they're actually a threat to our safety or an asset, whether they're actually a liability to our communities or an asset. And let's continue to organize for autonomous uh, ways of defending our communities and supporting each other through mutual aid um, so that we do not have to rely on the police as, as we have. Right. Well, on that note, we're going to continue to follow this. So I really hope, uh, Karen and Mike, that you will join us again as this trial continues. We're going to be following it very closely. Thank both of you for your work. Thank you for joining us. And y'all, please stay safe.